All right. Hey there. My name is Christopher Perry. I am the commissioner of the Western Collegiate Hockey League. This is the WCHL podcast. It's episode 618. No, Andrew, you knew that because you heard the uh, the goofy uh, different intro music. But instead, we have a very special guest all the way from a uh, an unnamed coffee shop in the middle of Springfield, Missouri. It is Louis Chase. Did I say that right, Louis? Yeah, it's Louis Shakes. Shakes. So the X is a hard X. Louis Shakes. Yeah. Well, Louis, thanks for being on the uh, on the podcast, playing for Missouri State, and um, uh, tell us tell before we get going to talking about Missouri State. Let's talk about uh, Louis himself because you're not from the states. You're not from Canada. You're from France. Where were you? Tell me the name of the place where you were born. Is it Nantes? Uh, so I was actually born right outside of Paris in a city called Courcouronne. Okay. Um, I then moved to a very small city called Poitiers. And then when I was 11 years old, uh, I left my house and um, my family to go in the, in the hockey program in, uh, in the city of Nantes, where I'm from now. Okay. And I lived there for a couple of years. Nantes. Okay. Well, so how, t- let's, that's, it's kind of a tough thing to do at 11 years old to to leave home to go in a different city what was that all about i mean did you exhibit well, a whole bunch of skills were you the the wayne gretzky of uh suburban <laughs> paris or what so i started playing hockey when i was uh four in uh, this little town called poitiers and um i knew that's what i wanted to do with my life and i could only think of hockey dream eat sleep whatever you name it it yeah. was all hockey and um the small team I was on, we only had two, three practices a week. And then one day I, I had a game and I got approached by one of the coaches and now and then they're like, hey, we got a pretty solid program here where you'll be skating on uh, every day and then um, more games and everything. So I looked at my parents. I'm like, mom, that like, <laughs> that's what I want to do. So I was 11 and then moved three hours away from home and would take the train on, the, on my own to come back on the weekends. I didn't have games. But it's what I wanted to do ever since I started playing. So it was just a good opportunity to get better and uh, and spend more time on the ice. Now, Louis, do you have brothers, sisters? Yes. So I was originally an only child, but my stepdad has had uh, a son and a daughter, my big brother and big sister. And then my mom and my stepdad together had my little brother. Okay. So when you left home, it wasn't like you were the only one that, that you didn't leave the co- Mom and dad still had somebody at home to take care of. Yes, they did. All right. All right. Well, what was that? I mean, that had to be kind of a scary proposition. We know, all know about leaving home when we were 15, 16 years old to go to play juniors, but you left home at 11. Yeah, it was I, – I never saw it as scary because, as I said, hockey is what I want to do. So it's – to me, it just made sense. It was hard for, for my family, for sure. It was hard for me, too, because at an early age, I was kind of – on my own, you know, I had nobody behind me telling me to do my homework at night or do uh, my laundry or any of that. So it was a good, um, it was a good process to, to grow as a, as a person and as an athlete too. So very thankful for that. How long did you spend there in Nantes? Uh, so I played there for three years, uh-huh. uh, from 11 till age 14. When I was 14, I was playing with the, the pro team there. Um, I was practicing with them. Wow. And which was a great opportunity. And then, um, my parents ended up moving to Nantes. Pure coincidence. They found some work there, and and they were trying to trying to change their job a little bit. And we found they found a house. So I, I actually lived with my family in Nantes for about a year and a half. 
But once they moved here, I was like, Mom, Dad, I want to play in Canada and in the U.S. So they started flying. Uh, I was recruited uh, during a hockey camp in the summer by a, a high school in Quebec. And then they were just waiting for, for the tryouts and all that. So everything went well. And then we did some paperwork for the visa and everything because it was pretty complicated. Because as you can imagine, leaving... Uh, uh, a minor child going to the to Canada on his own was <laughs> was pretty complex in terms of paperwork and stuff. Yeah. And then one day I'm just having dinner with my family and they hand me a letter and it was my uh, my visa to go to go to Canada and and told me I was going. So it was a pretty special memory for sure. Very nice, very nice. And so once you got over to Canada, you said you did your last two years of high school there. So I did. Yeah, I did two two years of high school in Quebec City. Um, I uh, I played for the Seminaire Saint-François and then Académie Saint-Louis, which I played uh, prep school and also in the league in Quebec. Okay. Then I, I uh, after that, I played juniors in uh, Toronto, El Paso, Texas, Boston, then played two years of uh, NCAA D3 hockey at Anna Maria College, and then transferred over to Missouri State last year. You've been all, you're, you've been all over the place. Hockey has brought you all over the place, huh? From France to Canada to and then what quebec city <laughs> yeah down to toronto and all the way to el paso that had to be a culture shock it's been amazing it's one of those things often people ask me which which has been my favorite place to go and i never really have an answer because every place is so special and different in in so many ways so i'm really glad that you know throughout my life and my hockey journey i've been able to experience so many cultures and and meet so many people all around the world it kind of helps you with your mindset and, and being accepting of, of different things and, and see how, you know, people live. And it's so different from, from what I was used to as well. Even in the States, within two different states, it's crazy, but it's a really enjoyable process. How so? How so is it crazy? I mean, you said two different states, Massachusetts and Missouri. They couldn't be more different. One's yeah, on the coast. Texas. <laughs> oh, oh, there you go. Even Texas. Yeah, boy, on the Mexican border. So... <laughs> Uh, I mean, that had to be, uh, well, let's, before, before we get into that, I mean, I guess growing up in France, you probably, did you know English or did you have to learn English when you got over to Canada? So I had English in school in France, but we learned a very traditional English, more like England style. And then moved to Canada. I had to be in the upper classes for English because of hockey since we're traveling to the States. So that was a challenge at first. And I was actually doing really well in school in English. So when I moved to Toronto, I was like, you know what? I got it. No problem. And I got at the airport and I could understand what everybody was telling me, <laughs> but I didn't have enough vocabulary to answer back. Yeah. And I'm like, what has school taught me? That? Like, how am I going to do this? Um, but eventually I realized that, you know, I just need to get out of my comfort zone and not worry so much about people making fun of me trying to speak English with my French accent. Um and, you know, within a month and a half, I was I was fluent and I was picking up on words. And I don't know. I I like speaking in English. It's just so much shorter. <laughs> so even now, my brain thinks in English, not in French anymore. Really? Isn't that interesting? Yeah. Wow. Okay. I figured that uh, all of our brains spoke in our, our native language, but uh, that's kind of wild. That's uh, – now, do you – uh, do you have an opportunity to to speak French there in in Springfield? And I'm I mean I don't mean calling home and talking to mom and dad. Uh, are there any French speakers there in Springfield, or do you just have to uh, 
I mean, I guess that's it, unless they're they're in college, huh? Well, surprisingly, this year I I I met a basketball player who's French. Yeah. And then uh, he plays at Missouri State. And then I met uh, three other French exchange students. And there's a girl that's actually from my hometown in Nantes. Really. That was that was a funny coincidence, yeah. But so other than than speaking with them, I don't ever speak French with anybody here. Okay. All right, interesting. Well, wild. So so tell me about how you got from I can figure out how you went to you you've already said how you went from Quebec and then I guess the Toronto junior team found you at uh, the 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 Academy St. Louis. Uh, but how did you go from Toronto to El Paso? Um well, I was I I wasn't trying to come back to, to the league I was in after my first junior year in Toronto, uh, even though I, I, I love my experience. Um, I, I went to, to experience the States because in terms of uh, import players and everything, the roles were not as strict. Being French, it, it's pretty complicated. Okay. Um, so I knew that I, I had an agent at the time that helped me out. And um, it looked like a great organization in El Paso, the, the Rhinos. Uh, it was pretty solid organization that was winning and lots of fans and everything and it was a completely different culture too so i was you know what let, let's do this and and i got there and it was honestly amazing um i've seen things i've never would have seen if it wasn't for hockey i mean <laughs> prior to to moving to texas i'd never seen a gun in my life and then i'm walking in the mall and i see people with their guns on their belts i'm like what is this <laughs> um, it was a pretty good culture shock trucks everywhere it was it was pretty crazy but um i, I bet uh, i mean yeah it, w- it was great and playing in front of so many fans and um you know, the organization itself, it was very hard to play in El Paso with the practices and, and stuff, but I'm glad I did it because now it's like, it, it's made any other hard practice look easy, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, they, they've got a heck of a program down there in El Paso mm-hmm. and, uh, yeah, they've, they, I know their fans come out and they support the team, uh, big time. So, so you went from there back to Boston to the junior bandits And, um, I I guess that had to be a little bit, um, well, you tell me, was that a little bit more comforting? Because Boston is kind of like an American, well, I'm not going to say it's an American version of France because I've never been to France, but I I presume that there's a lot of similarities between Boston and Montreal and, um, that has to, I, I, there had to be a certain level of comfort going back to the Boston area. It was definitely much closer in terms of lifestyle to what I was used to in France. Uh, again, it's it's still extremely different, but uh, it was for sure it was for sure uh, closer than, than what I was used to. And then I had a great time in in, in the, with this team and in this league. Uh, I, I I was given lots of opportunities, and you know it, it allowed me to really work hard and and get to my dream of playing college hockey. So when that all worked out, I was I was really excited and very fortunate. Yeah, and then you played college hockey. Uh, you you committed. You went to Anna Maria College, and that's in a little. Mm-hmm. That's right outside of Worcester, right? Yeah, that's right outside of Worcester. Yeah, and uh, what, what did they? Anna Maria? Do they play the Babsons and the uh, Worcester Polytechs of the world, or who do they play? Um, so when I played, we would play Worcester State. We played. Um, I I know that now they're playing uh, UMass Lowell. Uh, oh. No, not Lowell. Sorry, UMass Boston. Okay. Um, they're playing we played some pretty good teams honestly uh we were independent when i was there because we're just a new pro we're the first year of the program when i played there and then uh, the second year 
so we're still independent. I, I think they might still be independent. I'm not sure. Okay. I checked. Um, but it was it was a cool experience to to be able to play uh, hockey on the on the East Coast like that and 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 face some pretty solid teams like um, which I, I can't remember their names. There was this one in New York that was really good. Um, <laughs> anyways, yeah, no, there's a whole bunch of hockey hockey teams and a whole bunch of little colleges up that way that have hockey teams like mm-hmm. Babson, and then there's Curry, Salem State, Framingham yes. State, all and those. We played those. We played all these teams. Yeah, yeah, wild. And then you made the big cho- uh, choice to uh, to go to uh missouri state what was it um well i guess uh, describe that experience how did you what was it that led you to want to leave anna maria what was it that uh, led you to missouri state how did how did you make that connection so what i love with anna maria was that i was on the ice every day so you know I, i'm one of those players that loves practice and 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 all things practice and workout and all that so it was it was great for that because we had five practices a week and then you know bunch of games it was cool but i got to a point where i was promised some things and and you know it was not meeting my expectations and and what i was told so you know i i felt like i wasn't getting better anymore and i was i was stuck in a place where i didn't really get any answers so hockey was too important for me to just stay in that position and i just trusted my gut and uh, i left amaria I actually got stuck in France because of COVID during spring break. Oh, no. Um, and I was there, and I was really unhappy where I was at. And I was like, you know what? I'm, I might just resign from Anna Maria, and I'll just find another team to play for. And once I did that, um, I had one of my friends, Alex Rubin, who reached out to me and was just checking on me and, and asking me how I was doing, how I was hockey and stuff. And I was just like, honestly, brother, I'm, I'm, I, I really want to move and, and find a new team and stuff. And he's like, well, because we played together in Texas. I and, see. Um, okay. And he was like, well, um, you know, we, we need some players and stuff. Uh, let me talk to, to our coach and you can you can talk to you and we hopefully we can make something happen. And sure enough, made the connection with our coach. Everything went well. And I transferred to Misery State. I... <laughs> Signed a lease for an apartment I didn't tour, didn't tour the school, didn't tour the rink, didn't tour the locker room, nothing. And then I had to fly back to Boston to pick up all my stuff that was left behind because of COVID and then drove 23 hours to Springfield and got started. You got to see a lot of America in that drive, didn't you? <laughs> that was the longest drive of my life. <laughs> <laughs> I've made that drive a couple of times uh, from from the Boston area down here to uh, where I'm from, Oklahoma. And, yeah, it is a long drive, that's for sure. Yikes. Well, what was it? So you, you signed up sight unseen. You didn't tour the place. You, didn't, uh, you leased mm-hmm. a, an apartment without being there. Uh, you enrolled in school without being there. What was it like when you landed there in Springfield? Did you, because that's a huge change from even, I mean, even Anna Maria there in Paxton, that's, uh, it's close enough to Worcester where you feel like you're around civilization. Springfield is kind of, it's this oasis um, right off the interstate. Well, what, that had to be a change. It's not Worcester. So I remember I was, I was pulling in on the, hi- I was on the highway about to exit into Springfield and I'm like, where am I? And I'm like, there's <laughs> nothing here. Yeah. There's nothing here. What did I do? Oh my god. Yeah. And um, pull in the city and get to my apartment. 
I didn't have any furniture. I didn't have a bed, nothing. Oh, so no. I slept on the floor for two weeks because my bed wasn't getting delivered. <laughs> and um, actually, turns out, I actually love Springfield. It's a, it's a very small college town. And a lot of people are like, oh, what would you choose Springfield when you're from France and all that? And I'm like, Springfield isn't that bad. It's really what you make of it. And, you know, I'm, I'm a really outgoing person. So it was, it was easy for me to make some great connections and make the most out of my life here in Springfield. And I love it now. Yeah. It's, uh, it's underrated, isn't it? Um, it's so underrated. Yeah. Yeah. You, 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 the downtown area is very, very nice. The support for the school is just tremendous. And, um, it's a, like I said, it's a little oasis right off the interstate, but when you pull off the interstate, you're like, Hmm, what is it? What's going on here? So exactly. All right. So, uh, so what, what are you studying? What's, what are you going to, what are you, what's your major there at, uh, Missouri state? I'm studying exercise and movement science. Uh, I'd like to be a strength and conditioning coach and then, uh, eventually open a, a training facility for athletes. Very nice. Now, do you do you intend to do that here in the states, or do you want to go back to to France? What's the goal? I have. I, I'm not sure yet because I feel like the demand in the states would be bigger for something like that, at least for right now. Yeah. Um, but I, after I graduate, I for sure want to play professionally. Uh, I'd like to stay in the states for as long as I can, and kind of build, keep on building up my resume here. And then eventually go play in Europe for a couple of years, and and then move back here and, and figure it out. Now we we're, we're here in the states, and you know how it goes. You're you've got a you've got a different perspective of the world since you're from uh, from Europe, and you've been all around. So you you can understand where the ugly Americans come from, since we we only see things through our eyes. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and I I say that because when we think of hockey, we think of two leagues, right? We think of the National Hockey League and then the minor pro leagues that are here in the states and mm-hmm. Canada. But we also think of the 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 Russian league, right? The KHL. Yeah. But France has a uh, professional league that uh, that goes on, and England has a professional league in Swedish mm-hmm. Sweden and the Czechs. What what what's the biggest? Uh, I, I guess the tell tell me. Um, about professional hockey in France and, and their chances or, or their opportunities that exist for you? Well, in France, the, the top league is called League Magnus. So there's League Magnus, France 2, France 3, and France 4. Uh-huh. Um, the League Magnus is an extremely com- competitive league. Um, there's some incredible players that play there. So I train with them in the summer with uh, a team called Les Ducs d'Angers. Lots of players have... have um, I've had a couple of games in the NHL, uh, played in the AHL for a while, um, played D1, NCAA D1. The level is insane. I, I was just in France for the holidays, and I went to watch a game, and it was it was solid hockey. And yeah, it's a game that's really growing. They're building bigger, bigger rinks, and uh, it was really cool. There's a team in this league that is part of the CHL, which is um, the, all the top teams in Europe that compete for a championship and uh, that French team made it, I believe to the semifinals or quarterfinals against a really solid Finnish team. So it's, it, it, it's definitely growing and, and lots of, um, lots of players are from all around the world are joining the league with, with all sorts of experience. So super exciting. The, the European hockey is set up uh, or I shouldn't say it's set up, but they have a setup that's very much like champions league of soccer. 
and that's what you're mm-hmm. describing. It's yes. where you get, in addition to your own domestic league that you play in, if the, the better teams have the opportunity to play in a European Champions League where you'll play folks from the English Super League, the Swedish League, the, the Czech, and uh, mm-hmm. yeah, that's, that's kind of cool. I, I didn't realize that um, they did that in hockey until a couple of years ago when a friend from, uh, who was playing over in Sweden in the, you know, one of his games was in the Czech Republic, and we're like, huh, I didn't know there was a Swedish, an SHL team in, in the Czech, and it turns out it was part of the Champions League series. So, very cool, very cool. All right, well, hey, um, you're at Missouri State. You guys are ranked, what are you, number 10, I think, right now in the nation? Yeah. So something like that. Uh, what What's, in in Louis Chakes' words... What's been the what's been the the sum up of the Missouri State season so far? Highlights, the lowlights. Um, <laughs> highlights. I think we got a very tight group, uh, a tight group that that believes in its chances. Um, we enjoy being around each other a lot, and uh, it it shows it shows on the ice and and off the ice as well. We're a really tight group, and um, I just think that. As long as we remain confident but but focused, we're we're a pretty solid team and, and we're hard to compete against. We just got to be better at you know not getting in our own hands and uh, losing games for ourselves. Yeah. Okay. I figure uh, from a, uh, from a highlight perspective, I mean, one of the biggest weekends that you guys had this year was when Central Oklahoma came and yeah. you beat Central Oklahoma twice there at the Jordan Valley Ice Park. That was sweet. You know, everything was clicking. Uh, all the guys worked extremely hard uh, that week of practice, and we were just so excited to be there. Everybody wanted to be there. Everybody wanted to compete, and everybody was playing to the guy next to him. So it really showed, you know, uh, it was it was a great battle, and, and I look forward to having more weekends like that because we definitely can. Yep, yep. Well, and then the low light was probably the weekend right after that when you guys had to – get on a bus and drive 20 hours to uh las vegas huh yeah that 24 hour bus ride was was tough i mean i'm, I'm one of those guys where you know i love that kind of stuff yeah people think i'm an alien uh but i i really enjoy those those big travels and, and you know just trying to prove something to to the other teams when you they don't expect you to to be much after such a long travel unfortunately i think it it got to us and you know, we we had a big weekend right before that, so it didn't didn't help. Not trying to make excuses, we didn't perform like we wanted to, and uh, it's just something we we had to learn from. And hopefully, we won't let that happen again, no matter if it's at home or if it's a twenty four hour bus ride. <laughs> now, that, how was the twenty four hour bus ride back? Getting out there had to be long. How was the twenty four hour bus ride back? Honestly, I. It, it's all, it's great to have a sleeper bus yeah. up until you have to be laying down for 24 hours. Yeah. And we barely had any windows. I was lucky to get the the, the bed with the little window so I could, you know, see where we were at. But uh, I don't know. I just think it's it's cool memories and it's something I'll definitely be looking back on in 5, 10, 20 years. <laughs> but, but right on that weekend, you're like, get me out of here. Oh, especially after losing both games and, and playing the way we did. It was just like... Let's just forget about that, you know. Like you get back at like five a.m. on a Monday, and then you got to go to class at eight, and I'm just like, uh-huh. thinking about what just happened. <laughs> <laughs> That's when you're like, I hate playing in this conference. I hate that commissioner that scheduled those games. Who said do this? I, oh, honestly, I, I I enjoyed it, so I, I'm not gonna be one of those people. But 
But there were, sure we don't all feel yeah, the same. There, there were a couple of guys on that bus that felt that way. I get you. I hear you. <laughs> all right. Well, I'll, uh, well, let's let's talk about something else. We'll switch gears really quick because you've got a special thing um, that you're doing with your life. And um, I, 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 I don't know where to start other than to say um, you've, you're, you're, you're starting on this uh, a charitable cause because of what happened to you when you were younger. So um, let, let's, let's start when you were younger. You were, this was your home. You're living outside of Paris, is it? Uh, so I was actually living in that small country town, Poitiers. Poitiers. I was okay. six years old, yeah. Six years old, and you started, um, you, you had a, had like flu-like symptoms and a fever, you had redness, I, I said, and you started itching and you couldn't stop, and next thing you know, you're being airlifted to a burn unit in Paris. Mm-hmm. And you were diagnosed with something called, is it toxic? It's called TEN. It's the abbreviation is TEN, T-E-N. But it's toxic epidermal necrolysis, is it? Yes. And and what what exactly is TEN? So there's two branches to that disease. Uh, There's Steven Johnson syndrome and toxic epidermal necrolysis. Uh So basically... Uh, it's considered Steven Johnson syndrome uh, when your body is affected from 1% to 20%. Okay. Anything above 20% will be toxic epidermal necrolysis. In my case, I was affected to over 80% of my body surface. Um, and I had third-degree burns while my uh, my organs, my lungs, everything was burning at the same time. So I started with flu-like symptoms, uh, redness, fever, itching, like you said, um, went to the urgent care in my small town, didn't really know what it was. They believed it was an allergic reaction to food or something. Yeah. Um, and turns out, uh, I, I get hospitalized the next day. Nobody really knows what's happening. So I'm, I'm basically going through some sort of torture because I'm going through all these surgeries, treatments, and nobody knows what I'm, I'm going through. And I was actually dying and they decided to airlift me to the burn unit in Paris. They didn't even tell my parents. My mom got to the hospital as I was um, being put in the helicopter. And she's like, well, what are you guys doing? And they're like, well, we're airlifting him to Paris. She's like, well, I'm hopping on the helicopter. So she jumped on there with me. Um, I was induced in artificial coma. I woke up in Paris in the middle of like 20 doctors. And it was the craziest feeling Um Turns out I, uh, I'm there for a couple of days and uh, the doctor walks in my room. He thought I was asleep, but I just had my eyes closed. And um, he walks in, looks at my mom and says, ma'am, I'm sorry, but um, if he's not doing better by tonight, he'll be dead tomorrow morning. But uh, have, a, have a good one. <laughs> and he walks out. Wow. My mom starts crying and I'm, I look at her. I'm like, mom, everything's going to be fine. Uh, I got this. And... Uh, you know, I, want, I really want to play hockey, and I want to play hockey in North America one day, and, and that's what I want to do. So I'm going to get through this. And I remember, it's, it sounds really cliche, but when you're in that situation, uh, health-wise, and everything's falling apart, it's really mental. Uh, I was I was really tired of fighting, and, and I told myself, why don't you just rest for a second? And as I did that, I kind of felt my, my how could I say that? I felt myself exiting my body, really. It felt like that. And I was up in the sky, and I was looking down at the city, and I'm like, oh, like, why is everybody so sad that I'm up here? Um, and why are they running around? And then I ended up 
in in like a matter of a second it felt like i fell right back into my body and i was like whoa so i don't know if that was a near-death experience or something but that that's when i was i was really not feeling good and you know as as traumatic as this disease was and as painful as it, it was I'm, i'm glad i went through this because early on it showed me that you know nothing's promised and you should you should really live your life and do things that you want to do because it could change just like that so so this toxic epidermal necrolysis um Mm -hmm. it's basically causing your skin to blister both inside your body and outside of your body yes so i was i was taped to to my bed because all my skin was falling apart basically oh my gosh so and how long were you there in the in the burn unit in paris I think it was about a month and a half. I'm not sure. I'm not sure about the time. It felt like forever. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, uh, well, the, re- the, the reason exactly I, sure. the reason I ask, Louis, I mean, you said this was six years old and usually when you're six years old, you, you, you don't remember an awful lot. You might remember the cartoons that you watched on TV mm-hmm. or the, you know, starting school in kindergarten or something like that. And you're, that, that's a, a, I mean, it's traumatic no matter when, but especially for a young six year old child. And you're you're remembering a lot of these things. That it's just amazing that you can, you know, the story that you talk about the doctor, you know, talking mm-hmm. to your mom. Um, I mean, that's just amazing for a six year old to remember. It was, and and what's crazy too is like I have a lot lots of vivid memories from that, and then it's it's sometimes it's crazy because I talk about it with my family, and they'll bring up a memory or something, and and all of a sudden it, like unravels a whole memory that i forgot about wow it, it, like the, when i was home for break i was talking about everything with my mom and had to do some interviews with her for for a documentary that's going to be made but she she told me a lot of things and a lot of a lot of those really unleashed like so many memories i forgot about and it, it's really interesting but uh, I mean, yeah okay all right so you're in the burn unit for a month and a half and the, I mean, do, do the symptoms eventually subside, or do they figure it out, or what's the treatment for for ten? Uh, well, the the thing is, there isn't there isn't a, a an actual treatment for it. Um, the younger you are, the more likely you are to to survive. Uh, so I was fortunate to to get it when I was younger. Um, I was supposed to be blind because my it also affects your eyes. And, um, I, you know, it's one of those things where nobody really knows because I, they did the testing for, to find out what caused it for me. They did it too late. So we never found out. Um, so there isn't any cure for it either. You either make it or you don't really. Okay. And I was fortunate to make it, but now when you make it, uh, a lot of times people have to deal with extremely painful and, and terrible, um, side effects yeah some people will get flare-ups some people uh will be blind some people have breathing problems some people are missing a limb uh all i have is a couple scars and um a very sensitive skin to the sun but you know i i i guess i i got extremely fortunate that's why i decided to to give back and and get involved well, okay. Well, let's before we get talk about the the giving back and getting involved. You said you're extremely uh, you've 
the only thing that's that I guess you're left with in terms of uh, after effects are you're extremely uh, um, sensitive to the sun and you've got some scars. So, you know, hot summers in, in uh, I got to believe summers are hot in France, just like they are in Springfield, mm-hmm. Missouri. Uh, what, what kind of precautions do you have to take? Do you just have to wear like long sleeve shirts and stuff to make sure you don't burn? Or, yeah, are, you, or that- are you walking around with sunscreen on all the dang time? Well, that's the the best way is is to wear long sleeves or, but honestly, you know, I I don't let it get in the way of me living my life and enjoying it. Uh, maybe I should be more careful at times, you know. But yeah. um, sunscreen is definitely really important uh, because on some parts of my body, especially my face where I get scars, um, I don't have that extra layer to protect me from the sun. So I, I just got to make sure I'm I'm really careful. After I got sick, I couldn't really be ex- – my skin couldn't be exposed directly to the sun for two and a half, almost three years. Had to go through tons of treatments every day, tons of lotions, creams, even in my eyes. Um, and I was really – I'm really fortunate that my mom and, and, and my dad, my parents were really there for me and, and helped me take care of myself because – as much as I hated it, if, if they didn't do that for me and, and didn't insist on, on me being good about all that those treatments, uh, I, I'm not sure I'd be as healthy as I am today. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'd say so. Of course, I'm sure that's going to be every parent's nightmare is to have something happen to their child. So uh, I'm not surprised that your mom and your dad did everything they could to help you out. Um, they, they, they were they were honestly uh, if it wasn't for them I, I don't know you know they're they were so supportive they were there the whole time my mom wouldn't leave my bedside um and then another cool memory um is when i was at the burn unit there was the in paris the only hockey store in paris in, in france was in paris yeah and my dad uh went there and he bought me my first full hockey equipment and then he brought it into my hospital room he was wearing my little elbow pads, and he looked at me and he said, "Hey, this is your hockey bag. Just, uh, just so you know, it's ready for when you get out of here." And I really think that that went a long way in, in helping me, you know, get my mind of everything that was happening, and, and gave me something to fight for and, and look forward to. How cool is that? That's pretty awesome. That's pretty awesome. So, so let's talk now about the the the, the giving back and the charity that you've started that you're involved with. Uh, tell me more about that because it's called 10 for 10 and it's the number 10 F O and then four F O R and then 10, the word T E N. Mm -hmm. So tell me about 10 for 10. So number 10 is my number. Well, not my hockey number, but my number, I was born on 10, 10, 97. Okay. Um, and I actually took me forever to find a name for this journey because it's, it's pretty complicated. (laughs) And, uh, I was, I'm in touch with Dr. Phillips at Vanderbilt University, who's a top researcher in that field. And she was like, why don't you call it 10 for 10? You're going to be crossing over 10, well, it's well over 10 states, but 10 states, um, 4 T and toxic epidermal necrolysis. Hold on, sorry. Somebody's, somebody's sneezing next to me. <laughs> yeah, not a problem. Let's hope he's okay. Uh, so yeah 10 for 10 um basically crossing more than 10 states for uh the disease so okay so so this is a a, this is a deal 10 for 10 you're going to try to raise money and raise awareness for the 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 toxic 
I'm going to have to write this down, toxic <laughs> epidermal necrolysis. But mm-hmm. you, what you're going to do is you're going to, you can't skate uh, in terms of ice skating, but you're going to rollerblade across America. Um, and the way, if I remember right, when I read it, you're going to start in Los Angeles and you're going to try to end in New York City. And is yeah. that the goal? So I'm going to start at the Venice Beach Skate Park. And I'm going to end at, uh, on Times Square in New York City. Okay. Uh, so it's it's gonna be I'm I'm gonna rollerblade every single mile. I'm hoping to do between fifty to sixty miles a day, depending on the elevation, the weather, um, and yeah, just you know, one stride at a time, get through. And it's also a good way to to be a part of something bigger than myself and give not only support patients and you know raise funds and 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 help families and all that. But I also on this journey to inspire people that, you know, when you have an idea and when you set your mind to something that you really want to accomplish, you can, you know, this just started with an idea. My friend, Alex Rubin, uh, who brought me to, to most state, um, literally took me on rollerblade rides in Springfield and I started enjoying it a lot. And, um, once I was just rollerblading there on my own, and uh, I was like, it'd be so cool to rollerblade across the U.S. And I came home, and I was in the shower, and I'm like, well, if you do something like this, you'd have to to do it for a reason. And I'm like, well, hello. <laughs> you you survived um, a really rare disease, and, you know, you never got involved with it. You never talked to any doctors or specialists afterwards. Um, so it's time. And then I decided I was going to do it. And I was scared of, uh, sorry. No problem. I was scared of, um, <laughs> Yikes. Oh my God. That person's having some issues. <laughs> yeah. Hopefully it's not COVID. Um, and, um, yeah, I was like, you know what, I'm, I'm going to do this. And at first I didn't really want to share it with anyone. And, oh my God. And, um, <laughs> <laughs> and uh yeah i i decided i was gonna do it it took me a while to to figure it out but i said i'm a man of my word and when i say i'm gonna do something i do it and here we are a year later and you know six months away from from starting all right so you have a you have a a, a time frame what is this is gonna this is gonna start in june Yes. Uh, after I graduate on May 20th, okay. I'm going to head out to LA and then we'll be taking off uh, anywhere within the next couple of weeks. Now, how, what, what kind of planning have you, have you done or have you done any planning? Uh, because more than just a, a beginning point and an ending point, do you have stops planned along the way? Like specific so, stops, you're going to stop in Springfield, or you're going to stop in uh, Worcester, and then dial, bring it back down to uh, New York. What's what kind of planning has gone into figuring out the route that you're going to take? So we're currently working on that with the the team I've built here. I'm working with movie producers from LA who want to document the journey, make a movie out of it, and also build a team that's going to follow me along. Uh-huh. Um, so we're working on the route. We've decided the cities we want to stop. There's two different routes that are possible. We haven't decided which one yet. The one I would like to do personally is go through. Let me pull up a map on my computer here. Sure. Um, go through. So start in L.A., then go to uh, Las Vegas, and then Denver. 
Oh, here we go again. <laughs> uh, <laughs> this guy doesn't want you talking about your program, does he? I know. He's like, screw it. Um, so L.A., <laughs> then Las Vegas. I would like to go through Denver, then Kansas City, Springfield, St. Louis, and then go all the way up through Indianapolis, Columbus, Pittsburgh, and uh, finish in New York. Yeah. Uh, if not, I would be taking the lower route, go L.A., uh, Phoenix, uh, Albuquerque, Oklahoma City, Tulsa, Springfield, St. Louis, and then finish up with the same route as the other one. So, Okay. And, but the route that you prefer is the one that goes through Denver and then across Kansas. Yeah. Yeah, I just feel like it'd be, it'd be really cool to, to go through there, even though there'd be a lot of hills. Yeah, I'd <laughs> say so. Downhill. Yeah. Um, but just for the scenery and everything, and bigger cities would be easier to, to connect with more people, host events. And uh, so I don't know. We, we got to make sure that, you know, whichever route, I'm going to be taking it makes sense in terms of the people and, and the events we can have and you know how, how can we really connect a lot but also got to make sure I don't shoot myself in the foot and making it way harder than it's already going to be yeah I would think that one of the main concerns obviously uh, with you know since the, the the energy the power behind your effort here is literally you your legs um, you don't want to you know wear them out with uh going up and down the rocky mountains uh that's that's that seems like it could be kind of difficult but uh wow that's that's ambitious now are you going to bring a team with you um and i guess they're going to just trail and follow you the whole the whole way so that in case something happens they're they're available to help or in case uh just shutting down i'm sure there's going to be places where you're going to have to just camp by the roadside um because you're not going to be able to go, well, I, I would think here in the American West, it's going to be difficult to find places to uh, pull over and stop every 50, 60 miles. It's going to be, there'll be places where you'll have to just pull over and pitch a tent or something, huh? So my plan is to have an RV or some sort of tour bus. Oh, there you the go. We'll be sleeping in and, and I'll be in as well. Yeah. Uh, we plan on trying to find sponsors for that. Uh, just because logistically it'd make it easier, you know, I'd be able to rest better. So, so with the team and, uh, you know, in, in case, okay, hold on. I'm going to leave this place because it's, it's, <laughs> um, and, uh, it, it would just make more sense to, you know, have a, have an RV and have some sort of. Sure. Like a know, base camp, a mobile base camp. Exactly. Exactly. Even for safety. And, you know, if I need, if I need, um, therapy or something it'll be easier to, to to do that in there and then i'm sure every couple hundred miles or something we'll we'll stop in a hotel once a week to kind of recharge the batteries for everybody yeah well you're i mean you're also you just probably that, that would be smart because it'll provide shelter from the weather and uh, in case weather gets bad well very very cool and so um yeah i know on on youtube you already have uh, a bunch of videos out um, for 10 for 10, and I guess you've released these um, videos also on your Instagram page under the hashtag mm -hmm. 10 for 10. Yep. So we created uh, we created um, a 10 for 10 page for the journey where we're trying to be better about posting on there. It's just hard as of right now. Uh, because you know we haven't started yet so yeah well, well in the future got, we'll have people running it yeah so but it'll, you, be, it'll be easier you, you can understand i mean come on you're you're in the middle of going to school 
right? Yeah. You're, you're, you're playing. You're in the middle of playing a hockey season. Oh, and by the way, you people are you're, you're expected to be uh, keeping people updated on your on this uh, effort that you're un- getting ready to undertake. Yeah, I'd say your plate is pretty full. Yeah, it's you know it's it, it gets very busy, especially with school and uh, all the assignments, the exams, the away games, the home games, the practices. Um, but you know, I realized that it's life. Um, sometimes you gotta, you gotta just get through adversity and, and make things happen. Otherwise, you know, time just passes by and you just go through the motions. So I'm fortunate to be here in the U S play hockey, go to school. Um, but now if I want to create this, this life for myself and, and, um, make all these great things happen, sometimes you gotta do hard things and, It'll just be, it's a good point in my life to be some doing something like this as well. You know, I'll just be graduating college and then I want to play professionally. So if not now, then when? There's always, there's never going to be a right time. So I might as well do it now, you know? Yep. Yep. No, I totally understand and I totally get it. Well, very, very cool. Well, if people want to donate to Louis Chakes' cause, the 10 for 10, what do people need to do or what can people do? So they can go on my uh, Instagram page at Louis Shakes. Uh, in my bio, there's a link you can click on. It'll take you to the Vanderbilt University page. Um, and these funds are directly directed towards research. Uh, now we're currently trying to see how we could set up another fundraising page to help us fund the journey. Um, because obviously doing this isn't free as an international student. I can't work in the U.S., so it's lots of costs involved and everything. So we haven't figured that part out yet. But if people want to get involved, help out for research, they can go on my Instagram page. The link is in my bio, and uh, you can learn more about my story. Watch the video as well. And, um, and yeah, but, you know, anything, anything helps from a, a nice message to a donation. You know, everything's so appreciated. Very, very cool. Very, very cool. Well, that's uh, that sounds exciting. Let's um, let, let's let's do this. Let me um, shift gears here really quick. And uh, well, before before we leave that, let me just ask: How did you get involved? You're at Missouri State, yet you're partnering up with Van the the research folks at Vanderbilt. Um, what is it about Vanderbilt that um, is the connection between Louis and Ten for Ten? That's actually a great question. So I I was trying to reach out the Steven Johnson Syndrome Foundation. And for weeks, I was trying to call them. And I wasn't getting an answer. So I was feeling pretty discouraged. And one morning, I was walking to class. And I was like, all right, I'm going to try and calling them one more time. If they don't answer, maybe I shouldn't be doing this right now. Maybe it's not the time. Maybe it's not meant to be happening. So walking to class, I call them, and all of a sudden, somebody finally answers. Really? And I tell him, I'm like, hey, this is my name. This is what I went through, and this is what I want to do. How can I help? This lady was amazing. Her daughter was affected by the disease, and she she was like, well, you know, I want the funds to be directed to the right place, and this is Dr. Phillips' information. She works at Vanderbilt University. You can get in touch with her and, and talk to her. So 
I reached out and then within an hour, doc, I was on a phone call with Dr. Phillips for about two and a half hours, just sharing my story and telling her what I wanted to do. And, you know, it was the first time in 17 years that I was speaking to somebody that was involved in this field. He was very special. Somebody who knew what was, uh, what you were going through and what you had gone through and, uh, yeah, that that is kind of cool. So it was the last ditch effort, the last the last call, and someone finally picked the up the last one. Yeah, the very last one. I was I was really upset because I, I I really wanted to do this, and you know, not getting an answer. I was on my own. It was I was in the middle of my training because you know, with the COVID year, we started playing late. Uh, I was like, maybe you know, I should just focus my efforts on on hockey in school. Maybe this isn't the right time, but but I knew it was deep down. And when, when this lady picked up the phone, it was, it was amazing. Now, in preparation for, your, uh, for the journey across America, have you picked out or do you, in terms of rollerblades, you know, everybody, everybody knows hockey guys have their own special kind of equipment, right? You're a Bauer guy, mm-hmm. you're a CCM guy, you're a Warrior guy. Um, what about for your rollerblades? Um, it, I'm, I'm sure you, for this long distance and endurance type thing, you have to, uh, get some heavier, uh, I guess, heavier duty stuff than just your, the stuff you pick up at Academy sports and tool around campus on. Yeah. So it, it's actually very new to me because those long distance rollerblades are so different than my regular hockey rollerblades. Um, Mine only have three wheels. The wheels are massive, and the boot is totally different. It's a very different feeling when you're skating. Um, definitely something I needed to get used to, and still I'm trying to get used to. Uh, no, it, it's funny because I, I get back on the ice after rollerblading 40, 50 miles, and it's such a different feeling. It's crazy. But uh, as far as brands, I haven't really picked one out yet. I'm still trying to figure out what works best for me and i'm sure depending on the the terrain and and the places i'll be going through i'll be needing some some different kinds as well so you know so it's a it's a learning process in so many ways and the equipment is is one of them as far as the training i'm going to be starting my uh, my training for 10 for 10 in about a month because i the training is so different in terms of you know hockey training is fast and strength and very rapid efforts yep whereas what i'm going to be doing is long and slow endurance efforts so i didn't want this to affect the rest of my hockey season because you know we still got to work towards the championship at the end of the year so i didn't want to you know have this this preparation get in the way of uh my hockey season so i'm starting that that training february 1st so it gives me time to finish my season in the right shape and and do great things on and off the ice yeah that makes sense hockey's being very anaerobic very in short quick bursts whereas what you're getting ready to do is long distance and as you say endurance and it makes uh, perfect sense that they uh they have similar skill sets but um they don't necessarily complement one another so interesting all right well hey let's uh that that sounds pretty exciting and so people can follow louis on his instagram at louis shakes and there there's a link there for the uh 10 for 10 project as well as uh, a link where they can donate for folks can donate to towards the cause and i'm sure we'll be following up on uh 
on you as you go through. Let me, let me, let's, let's, do you mind if I ask you a couple of dumb, really bullet point questions? And Go for it, go for it. Let's do this. What's uh, on, on your team, on the Missouri State team, not, and you can't name yourself, okay? <laughs> but who, who's the best chirper on the Missouri State team? Who's the guy that chirps oh, the wow. best and loudest? Uh, well, and, and, and Louis, Louis, nobody listens to this podcast. So, I mean, you can tell me because nobody <laughs> listens. No one's going to know. Okay, I, I hate that I have to say his name because, you know, it, it's going to get to his head, I'm sure. And I'm not going to hear the end of it. But Jake Kapinski got some pretty creative ones. Sometimes uh, he makes us laugh pretty good out there. Really? Okay. All Maybe right. he got it from me. I don't know. With my broken English. Maybe he got that from me. <laughs> now, so is Jake the funniest guy on the team or is there somebody else who's funnier? He, he's just uh, good at being... Uh, he's, he's just, just he's, he's a character. He's, he's an old man. <laughs> he's an old man. I love it. What's the worst hockey injury? Not counting the, the, the 10, obviously. What's the worst hockey yeah. injury you've had? Uh, I honestly, I don't know. I'd say... There's one game in juniors I dislocated my shoulder in and out three times in the same game. And then it oh. was hanging. <laughs> my hand, when, when I was just putting my arms alongside my body, my, my right hand was touching the side of my knee. It was pretty gross. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> that sounds awful. But, yeah, other than that, just, just smaller stuff. I mean, I've had concussions like everybody else, but it's it's hockey, you know? All right. All right. What's, uh, what's Louis' go-to warm-up music? What do you listen to uh, when you throw the headphones on? I listen to rap. Uh, just just gets me going. I think not huh? not one song in particular. Just just that kind of music. I would say. All right, all right. Um, any particular artist? Uh, Drake, Drake, Kanye. Yeah, Drake, Future, all, all those guys. Uh, some French rappers as well. Uh, but French rappers, <laughs> come on. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I know it, it sounds weird, but. It, they're pretty good. Some of them are pretty good. Is there a whole French rap scene out there? Uh, I mean, to me, it's only one guy in particular. Not not so much the whole scene. Sometimes I feel like a lot of French music I, I really don't enjoy, but that guy is pretty talented. Okay, all right. What's um What's the best sport in your opinion, other than hockey? Uh, I'd say boxing. Boxing? Why boxing? I, I just love the lifestyle of a boxer, the, the training, the, the um, I don't know, the, the violence about it, too. I, it's just, is there something about it I, I really enjoy? I'm, I'm pretty sure if I didn't play hockey, that's that's what I would do. You have to, you know, when you're a boxer, I, you, you really put your heart and soul into what you're doing. And I don't know. I just I just think it's it's a great sport. Everything is, uh, with boxing, everything is stripped down. You're literally, it's just two men in the ring, well, and the referee. Exactly. But everything is literally, they're just wearing shorts and they're uh, in the gloves. And you're just, you find out, I think, the, uh, not the measure of a man, but you find out what kind of character that person has, um, you know, when they're confronted. Number one, you got to be kind of a different sort of person to voluntarily want to go beat somebody up or get beat up mm -hmm. right i mean it takes a different mentality just to step in the ring but then once you're in the ring you gotta you can't hide behind anything because it's all out there yeah. interesting uh, yeah it's it's i mean it's it's special and you know you can you can find that in hockey as well so 
I think that's why I enjoy these two sports the most. All right. Now you were talking. We talked earlier that you've been uh, you're on a long road trip to Las Vegas. What's uh, in all of your hockey career so far? What's been your favorite road trip destination? What's the one place where you went? Wow, that was pretty cool. Uh. Wow, there's so many. That's that's a hard question. <laughs> um, well, well Vegas I, was de- Vegas was definitely one of them. Yeah. I wish we 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 got to to walk around the strip and and stuff. But you know, I've I've had tournaments in Vegas before. It was pretty special. Uh, I've I've had some 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 places like we we played games on the Pittsburgh Penguins uh, ice rink, which was pretty special because it's my favorite team. Okay, um, and. Where else? We I've played in some really cool. There's a place in New Hampshire I played, and it was literally just a roof over the ice rink in the middle of the forest. Really? <laughs> it was free. It was like a winter classic, but a regular season game. That's awesome. <laughs> it was crazy. It, it was great. So I, I'm sure there's more. Uh, but at the top of my head, these are the ones that, that that come. All right, all right. When you're on the bus, uh, what, what's the best movie? What's your most favorite movie that you want to watch on a road trip when you're on the bus trip? Uh, so, again, my friend Jake Kapinski that I mentioned earlier would make fun of me for this because I'm not a big movie guy. Okay. Uh, they always quote movies on my team and make references, and I just look at them. I have no idea what they're talking about. Yeah. Uh, but I honestly, Miracle. Really? Okay. Miracle is 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 a solid one. We uh, the the reason I ask when when I would ride the bus, uh, it it always seemed to be um, shoot 'em up type movies. You know, uh, the Boondock Saints or uh, you know Usual Suspects or something something heavy with guns, Lords of War. And I'm like, boy, what is (laughs) what's with all the violence here? Had me wonder about the guys I'm traveling with. Jeez. All right. Um, now these are going to be goofy, so you got to forgive me. Um, but seeing right. as if you're from France, um, help me out here. What's better, French toast or French fries? Uh, well, French fries are not from France, so yeah, I know. I'll have to go with French toast. All right. It was French toast from France. Yeah. So we actually call it lost bread. Uh, we we make French toast when uh, we have a uh, a baguette or some bread that's ripe. Yeah. And instead of throwing it out, we use it to make French toast. So we don't waste it. Oh, how cool is that? Well, I, I, come on. I figured, I knew that French fries wasn't from France because it's only here from America. Um, (laughs) but we've, you know, I'm I'm trying to think of what else we could, we could do goofy. What is the best French food in your opinion? Honestly, there's just everything, (laughs) everything, you know, being here, I was just home for for uh, for two weeks, and uh, getting back here, it's just like the the quality of the products, the taste, everything is so different than than here than than it is back home. Yeah. Uh, my favorite thing to do is just on a Sunday morning, you get up, go on the market, get some fresh food, fresh produce, and then you get home, make a nice brunch. That's 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 definitely on top of my list with some good pastries, croissant, bread. Oh my god, yeah. And the wine too. The wine's good. <laughs> what What's the most underrated French dish? What's the one that? Or again, we're just dumb Americans here. What, what's the um, one dish that we that nobody appreciates, but we should? Honestly, if you guys could try the baguette, a real baguette, or like a real croissant. You'd never, you never eat one here again because it's just so far from reality. Really? Okay. And it's and and the cheese. Oh my god, the cheese. The cheese is the cheese is <laughs> the awesome, cheese huh? Is, 
Incredible. Yeah. Incredible. What, what, it's so what, different. What's your favorite? Bree, Munster? Uh, so, oh, Munster is a very strong one. Uh, Bree's good. My favorite one is Conte. I love Conte. It's. Uh, it's. I don't even know how to describe it, but it's. It's pretty good. If you get the chance to try it one day. Um, honestly, all cheese. I love all cheese. I'm not too picky. <laughs> all right. Well, what, what's the flip of that? What's the worst French food, or what's the most overrated French food? Um, well, a lot of people talk to me about escargot and and snails and all that. I've never had it. Okay. People talk to me here like it's it's something we eat every day and make fun of me for it, whatever. I'm like, you got to understand that it's a traditional dish, but it's not like, you know, you're a kid, you come home from school and your mom's like, yeah, we're having snails for dinner. <laughs> it's, it, that's not it. You know, it's not. Uh, so I, I guess, I don't know. I've never tried it. Uh, most underrated dish. Yeah. I, okay. I don't know. All right. Well, that, that, that's fine. Do people give you a hard time about that Disney movie about uh, Ratatouille and stuff? Uh, yeah, well, a lot of people call me that around here because I love to cook and I'm always cooking. Yeah, and that's um, the only thing so, they know about France, right? Yeah, they. I mean, and I, you know, being from France here in the U.S., sometimes I get some pretty interesting questions about France. Uh, pretty concerning questions. Sometimes people ask me if we can drive to France, or uh, I've I was asked before if uh, Paris was in France. <laughs> I was told that the. They were confused because they thought the only Eiffel Tower was in Vegas. Oh, jeez! <laughs> so I've got some, I've got some, some funny questions uh, to answer sometimes. That, that, but it's, that, it's all good. That just shows how how dumb or or uneducated some uh, some of us Americans are, huh? Oh, I'm sure there's some French ones that are like that. They're everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> They're everywhere. What's uh, what's the one thing we have here that's here in the U.S. that you wish you had in France? I'd say opportunities, and by that I mean that although it's really hard being a foreign player or just, you know, being from France, being here, um, but what I like about here is the opportunities you get once when you work really hard. Uh, I feel like if you want to work and work hard, you'll, you'll, you'll be all set. Um, you know, some people will be able to recognize that no matter where you're from. Uh, so yeah, I, I'd say that that's something I really appreciate. I also love how sports are, you know, really in in the society and everything is really developed, like gyms and you know facilities. It's it's not something we 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 have in France. You know, when you're in France and you're an athlete, you have to pick at some point if you want to be a student or an athlete. You can't be both. Huh? And you really rapidly have this etiquette of oh you're an athlete you're you're probably dumb we kind of put you in that in that that situation where you have to make a choice and i love that here i get to get to do both yeah yeah well, that's that's very cool what's um what's in from your perspective what's the biggest misconception that americans have about france and maybe it's that the eiffel tower is in las vegas uh, but <laughs> uh, what's the biggest misconception i think you're gonna really laugh about this one. Uh, <laughs> my teammates always say that to make fun of me. Yeah. Um, they always say that French girls have hairy armpits. Oh God. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm just like, guys, what? Like, I mean, I'm not there to verify, but uh, 
it's something that they, they tell me pretty often. What else? Uh, I don't. I mean, some of the things they say is right. A lot of people smoke cigarettes back home and, and drink coffee for breakfast. That's their that's their go to. Uh, that's Europe. But yeah, but yeah. I mean, that's that's pretty much it. There isn't so many misconceptions, at least, or if there are, they're they're. Oh yeah, there's another one. People here think that French people hate Americans. Yeah. And I don't know where they get that from. Maybe it's because, you know, French people are, uh, when we speak back home, we sound really angry or something. But that, that's such a misconception, you know. They're, I, I don't know why people feel like that. Maybe, maybe we're, we're mean, but I don't think we are. <laughs> I, don't <know. laughs> I, I, don't, I don't think so, but uh, I, I can understand why people think that. I think that you know, in France, when we see Americans, we're we're it's the opposite. We're like, oh wow, that's so cool. And you know, the first thing that comes to mind to us when we talk about the U.S. is New York, L.A., Vegas. We're we're really intrigued, and a lot of people, a lot of people, when I go home, tell me how lucky I am to be here, and that they, they'd love to do the same in the U.S. So, when when people think of France, they think uh, traveling to France, they think of Paris. So if you were if you were going to send somebody from America over to France but not send them to Paris, where would you send them? Um, so the city it depends when you go. If you go in the winter, I would hundred percent go to the French Alps. Uh, the mountains there are incredible. If you're into skiing, snowboarding, all that, it's 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 amazing. Yeah. Um, in the summertime, I would definitely go. Uh, to my city in Nantes, it's ranked one of the top cities to to visit and to live in. And um, where I live too, I live there. I live near Bordeaux, uh, so there's lots of wineries to tour, and it's 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 a lot of fun there, right by the ocean. There's also this small island right off France. There's there you can go on it uh, through a big bridge that's there, and it's called uh, L'Ile de Ré, Ré Island. Yeah. And it's amazing. It it feels like <laughs> almost like the Caribbeans, but in France. Really? Oh wow! Yeah, it, it's amazing. That's crazy. That's crazy. All right, one one last question, and then I'll get you out of here, Louis. What's the best French tradition? I I, ha- I have one, but I want to hear what your French tradition mm, is. Okay, the best French tradition. Uh, I'd say my favorite thing is that we eat dinner with our family every night like you will sit down and take time to eat and talk to your loved ones and you know in france we take the time to live life in the u.s it's really like go 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 all the time back home stores will close from 12 to 2 so people can go eat and go enjoy their day um it's something i believe is really important and and i really enjoy about about france uh so yeah i I would say that that's that's my top one. Well, that that that's it couples it with my top one because I, I didn't realize about the eating with your family. But my my favorite French tradition is that the store shut down in midday to go home to either mm-hmm. catch a nap or be with their family, and then they yeah. come back and they open up later in the same day, and they're mm-hmm. they stay open later. Um, I found that out when I went to some islands that were under uh, that, that are French colonies. 
And it was always cool that from, as you say, from 12 to 2 or 12 to 4, they're shut down. On um, Sundays, everything is closed. So when I go home, I'm like, oh, well, I, I needed to go to the store today. Well, I can't. I'm not in America. Yeah. <laughs> very, very cool. All right. Well, hey, one last time before we get you out of here, tell everybody again the Instagram and how they can uh, how they can find 10 for 10. All right. Well, uh, so – Everything 10 for 10 related will be on my page, on my Instagram and Facebook page at Louis Shakes, L-O-U-I-S-C-H-A-I-X. If you go in my bio, you will find a link to Vanderbilt so you can learn more about um, the disease, the cause, and, and what I'll be doing in the spring. And feel free to reach out. You can also email me, contact me. Uh, we'll be happy to answer some questions and, and connect with anybody that wants to learn more about the journey and, and wants to get involved again. Um, I also want to thank you for this opportunity. Thank Ryan Armstrong. And, uh, and yeah, I, I look forward to speaking to you again and maybe, you know, we can have an event promoter hockey league. That's, you know, allowing us to do what we love yeah. uh, while being in school. And maybe we can do a, an event with, with 10 for 10, you know, link our forces, make some cool hockey jerseys. I don't know. Well, we'll I'm sure we'll come up with something, something great. And uh, maybe we can, we can challenge you to hop on some rollerblades and also bring all the teams in the ACHA along the way when I'll be coming by next to them. If they want to join for some miles, then I'll be happy to skate with the guys. That'd be awesome. That'd be awesome. We got to give Army a hard time because he was really pushing for this one, huh? <laughs> yeah. I mean, heck, he he had me bothering you in while you were on break in France. He uh, wasn't bothering me. I was honestly really excited about that 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 opportunity, and you know, I, I'm really thankful I got to speak with you today and answer your questions. Army's Army's a great guy, and yeah, I'm I'm grateful to you, Louis, for taking time out of your day for having to sit next to that guy that was coughing all the dang time. Oh. Well, I hope I hope he's all right. <laughs> hey, I hope you're all right. I, I hope you. I hope he wasn't blasting out any uh, viruses or anything. The craziest thing is that he was on the other side of the room. He wasn't even close to me. No way. <laughs> he sounded like he was right next to you. <laughs> no, he was literally sitting across the room from me. I'm like, all right. Wow. I Poor guess, man, ma- maybe the coffee shop uh, hires him to clear people out. Who knows? Jeez. <laughs> he didn't want to listen to me talk. <laughs> well, Louie, hey, thanks for taking time out of your day. Uh, best of luck uh, the rest of the way here through, through the season. I know you're having a big series uh, coming up in, in February when Missouri State comes down to play Central Oklahoma. And uh, I look forward to seeing you uh, possibly then, uh, but for sure at Nationals up in St. Louis. Perfect, perfect. I look forward to seeing you as well. We'll 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 get to talk some more, and uh, we'll we'll also see you at the finish line, maybe in New York City when when I get to Times Square. That'd be awesome. That'd be awesome. All right, hold on. I'm going to hit the button. We'll play some music. Thanks again, Louis, for uh, being part of this, the WCHL podcast, and thanks to all the listeners for uh, for bearing with me and my dumb questions. And uh, please check out Louis on his Instagram and check out Ten for Ten. Thanks for listening to the podcast.